Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Wherever you've gone in history of church history, you would see a revival where things of the Spirit flow, and then as they try and manage it and improve it, it drifts less and less. Because the focus moves from the Spirit to the process. And then the churches lose what God was happening. Healings become less, prophecies become less, and everything of the Spirit becomes less as the church puts methods and processes into place to have order in the church. And I'm not saying we must have chaos. I'm just saying we have to make sure that we keep on pushing in for what God has for us. And we don't, I don't want frontline to be a has-been. They talk about the glory years and now we have nothing because we have become so comfortable, because we have become so organized. Yes, we must have order in the service, and yes, we must have processes. But I'm taking this time in 2022 to make sure we put the supernatural back as the center of front line. The axe days where things were crazy in church, and people walked in in wheelchairs, rode in in wheelchairs, and ran out dancing and skipping and jumping. I'm looking for people to come here and have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to come here and have an encounter with a nice dad. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, and with Jesus himself, because I can't change your life. I have no power to change anything in your life. The only thing I can do is you introduce you to the one who changed my whole life. And show you what happened as I yielded to him, my life changed. And in that same way, I want to bring it. So we're starting in 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's Paul saying, I don't want us to sort of like know what the gifts of the Spirit are. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So people look at places where the Spirit moves and they say, but it can't be real and it can't be this. But I just want to clearly say to you, the Bible says nobody can worship God. And call Jesus Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So whatever is going to happen, it might not be what you are used to. But it can't happen. And nobody can say that Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So some of us can be on stage. I can't do what the team just did. They can't do what I'm doing. 
there's a difference in each one's calling and a difference in each one's process. And we recognize that and we want to create a place. Frontline by its very nature says God has made room for me and I want to make sure that every gifting that sits in this congregation has a place where it can function. Some will function in the home cells, some will function on stage, others will function at the gate, but every single one has something that they bring into the service. Christianity is not a spectator sport. If you came here to watch something, then you should have watched the Stormers Bulls game last night and let's see the Stormers win and celebrated that. Okay? That's a spectator sport. And then you can sit and criticize the coach and criticize the ref and do all of that on last night's game or this afternoon's um, Formula One. But when you come here, you don't come here to watch and see. You come here to do. You come here to be part of what God is doing. All right. It's not a process like, a, a, you know, people think we are here to entertain the crowd. This stage is like the rugby field that everybody on the crowd just sits and watches and shout the odds, but they can't partake because if they run onto the field, it's going to get stopped. Okay, That's what I did as a little dad of a soccer player when Jared was about that size. Okay, Before I realized that I was in the middle of the game and arguing with the ref and uh, disagreeing with him about how a five-year-old should kick a ball. Okay. So, yeah, there's not a white line that demarcates the area that we operate. The moment you come into that door, you're part of what God is doing in this service. And we expect that to happen. So there's differences of gifts in verse 8. Oh, well, let's go verse, um, yeah, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to those on stage for the profit of some. Are you sure? What does it say? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to? Is there anybody here that's excluded from each one? Are you not part of each one? Okay. So you might, some of the things might, you might not be used to it. But you are called to operate in the Spirit. You are called to operate in the gifts. It is not for the select few. And that is why home sales are for me critical. Because if there's a hundred people here, if we allow each one to exercise their gifts for 10 minutes, how long are we going to be here? Yeah. Okay. But in home sale where there's 10 people or so in a place, all 10 can operate for 10 minutes and we're still just there for over an hour. And that is why it's critically important if you are a frontliner that you must be in a home cell to develop your spiritual gifting. And home cell leaders, I want you to make time every single week for people to operate in the spirit and challenge people to step out in that place. Prayer time on a Saturday afternoon, we operate in the gifts and it's a place for us to see what God has done in the home cells. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. So there's different kinds of gifts. And let's be honest, we're not seeing them in front line. We're not seeing all of these things happening. 
When last was there a word of knowledge brought here? Okay, now it's got a bit quiet here. And I'm pointing my finger at all of us. I'm saying we need to operate into a place where during the worship, right after the worship, between praise and worship, somebody needs to put up their hand and say, Dad, I have a word of knowledge for this church. Because the gift things is right here, and God is saying it's inside of you. To another faith by the same Spirit. Gavin operated in faith when he came here and said, Guys, I'm believing that we can put carpets in this place. It happened during the prayer. God said to me, Why is there no carpets in yet? He operated in a place of faith. And I said, Bring that gift and operate in it. Because I, if I had to do it, I would dilute what God had given him. You understand what I'm saying? There's a gifting of faith. For things to shift to another, the gifts of healings by the same spirit. Not seeing enough of the community praying for somebody and healings happening. We need to see a lot more of it. People need to say, I'm going to drive two, three, four hundred kilometers to get to frontline because there healings are happening. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. If you're operating in a pastoral anointing, you might miss discerning of spirits because you are just love and you just care and you just want to see everybody's okay. You need the gifting of somebody else who can see through somebody's actions and see what is the spirit that is motivating them behind there. So everyone brings a special gift to the service. Nobody comes to church as a spectator. To another different kinds of tongues. When last had we had somebody come up, take the mic and bring a tongue and trusted God for somebody in the church to be able to translate it, to be able to interpret it. Hey? We've allowed that to die. Why? Because it might offend somebody if I go up to the mic and I start praying in tongues over the mic. So I don't want to go into the tongues now, but there's praying in tongues that's general. And then there is a word given to the church in tongues, which is different. Where God lets somebody come up to the front, pray something in tongues, and he gives somebody that sits there the interpretation. I'm leaders. Develop that. Challenge somebody saying, who's got a tongue here? Speak it out. And we trust God for the re- revelation of the interpretation. Amen. Yes. To another, the interpretation of tongues, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works in all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I can't say, well, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I don't want you to do that. Yes, like I said, there's order in the service, and that's another subject. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit moves through whom he wants to. And I love it that he surprises us by moving through somebody that we didn't expect it to be. The most well-put-together, well-dressed person could suddenly burst out in tongues. Maybe even a new visitor could come in and have a prophecy. 
Why? Because it's the Spirit doing what the Spirit wants. Who here wants the Spirit to do what it wants? Okay? You understand that it might have some chaotic results. It might not go exactly as you planned. But that's the beauty of Christ. He wants to operate here. And he does not want to be held by our preconceived ideas. Now, I always have to do this. We've just read out of 1 Corinthians 12. Everybody knows 1 Corinthians 13. What is it about? You're wrong. It's not about love. It's about the gifts of the Spirit. It's a continuation of 12, and it's telling you how you must operate in the gifts. Read verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, if you go and you get a private gym instructor, and he talks to you about what program you're going to do in the gym, but in the midst of that, he says, it doesn't help if you're working yourself five hours a day at the gym, but you're eating a whole cake by yourself every day. You see, he's busy talking to you about your gym program, but then he adds something about diet. It doesn't mean that he's actually a dietitian. It just means that there's balance and you need to look. Nothing is in a little box by itself. Everything works together. So you've got to understand that 1 Corinthians 13, people love to quote 1 Corinthians 13, and they ignore 12 and 14. But it's one section. It wasn't written in chapters. It wasn't written as this is chapter 12, and this is chapter 13, and this is chapter 14. It was written as one letter. Now people pull out one piece of a letter and have made that important and ignores the rest of the letter. If you have a news reporter that miss, just looks at one part of it, we've all seen it, they can twist the truth completely by misquoting somebody, by just quoting a little piece of him. And people have misquoted 1 Corinthians 13 by making it only about love. It is about how the love must operate through the gifts. Let's jump to chapter 14. Pursue love. So he's connecting it to 13 and saying, yes, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Amen. So the love doesn't stand on its own. It's, so it's incorporated. But especially that you may prophesy. And that's what I want to talk about today is prophecy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, and no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So mom and I spoke about speaking in tongues on Friday. If you missed that session, please get and watch at the well so that you can understand about tongues. I'm not going to expound on it now. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. I had to go look up those three words so that I can just bring it across. Exhortation is the building up. It is the... Sorry, edification. 
is the intellectual, moral, and spiritual improvement and enlightenment, a building up. So, firstly, prophecy must always build up. I can't come and prophesy and say, you're a failure of a dad, you have no hope, you're a bad person. That's not prophecy. Prophecy will always leave you built up. So I'm teaching you how to judge prophecy. If somebody comes and tells you something that leaves you devastated, it's not prophecy. Prophecy will always build up. The second one is exhortation. It must get you to move. It's an encouragement to get you to move. Man, that's what I love absolutely. Because I believe Christianity has become the spectator sport of everybody sitting still. And if I can get all the Christians that are in South Africa to move, we will change this country like this. But as long as all the Christians sit quietly at home and watch something on TV and sing a song, but nothing happens... We will never change this country. And then the third one, it is comfort. Prophetic is there to reach into your pain and let you understand that God knows what you are going through. You see, when somebody has a heart pain, let's say breakup of love, something has gone wrong in a relationship and you feel unworthy, and you feel not good enough, and you feel a failure, and you feel so much pain because of your relationship status. An unknown person that doesn't know what you're going through, God says, go and tell them, I know the heartache that they have about relationship. And God can comfort them in that very person. Somebody that might be hurting because of something their children did. And prophecy allows you to shine God's love right onto that hurt. And they can understand that God cares about their specific hurt and need. It will give them a level of faith that they could never believe. Frontline in its everything it is, is because of prophecy. That's it. That's true. If in 1993 and 1999 and 2005... Those are just three times I can call out where there was very, very specific and 2011. That, and these are all before Frontline started. When mom and I was called out of a meeting and said, you've got a church inside of you and I am going to open it through you. And from that we have planted many churches because somebody understood that there was a little boy and a young girl that had no understanding of what God meant, came and said, hey, you are going to plant something. You're going to do something. And whenever now we face challenges or discouragement or whatever, we go read those prophecies that came 10, 20, 30 years ago and say, God, you said that at that time, and now is the time for it to manifest. So prophecy has that ability. Let's go back to chapter 14. But he who prophesies speaks edification, adversity, and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So where should prophecy happen? In the church. 
not necessarily the Sunday meeting, but within the church, we have to make time for God to operate in prophecy. For God to speak mysteries that we don't know. To keep us on the road that he wants to take us. Then, um, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive the edification. So there's a place where we pray in tongues here. And I know it offends some people that we pray in tongues. I know some people think, why are you doing that? We're doing that on purpose. So that everybody that walks in here knows one thing. We take the Holy Spirit seriously. And we believe in the gifts of God that's going to change your life. Nothing I preach or nothing I do can change your life except when the Holy Spirit comes in and partners with the church and says, I can reach out to that one. And as I'm looking at the faces, I've heard so many testimonies of we did this at the well or we did that in church. And it met you exactly where you were at that moment, where you were desperate for a touch of God. And it happened. And that is why we will always push for the supernatural to happen in this place. Prophecy is speaking things into existence. It's not fortune telling. Don't uh, be careful of Facebook general fortune telling that is set up as prophecy. Please, guys, be careful of social media prophecies. It is not necessarily of God because it looks right and it sounds right. It isn't necessarily for everyone. I can honestly say I have been touched through the kind of thing that come out on Facebook. But I've also seen that it can be completely missed because it's like a general thing. It's, it, then it falls into that fortune telling process. Because God might be telling you one thing and you another thing. And when I put it on Facebook as it's for everyone, then I'm not distinguishing what God is saying. Then the voice of God is diluted. So be very careful in social media prophecies. God says every prophecy must be judged. So if I read something off Facebook and I take it as my own, Maybe I should send it to my pastor or my home cell leader and say, is this one for me? No, but it sounded so nice, pastor. I just wanted it. It was so encouraging. It, it made me feel so good on the inside. You know what? That's not what God's saying to you right now. Whoa. I don't know if I have the guts for that because I'll just see an exodus out of here. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, church, take note and Activate prophecy as a process in your life. Write down what God says in your life. Don't just take it as nothing. And pursue prophetic word. And pursue being given and you giving prophetic word. That's why Paul said, pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Let's just go to the Old Testament a little bit so you can see how it works. Um, Hezekiah, I think it's 1 Kings 38. Have you got that scripture? I think I'd see I didn't put the scripture reference there. It's chapter 38. Um, have you got that one? No. 
Okay, I'll just tell the story, then we can look it up just now. Um, Ezekiah became sick and was near death. And Isaiah, the man of God, came to him and said, The Lord, make your, the Lord says, make your house ready, for you will die and not live. Who would like to get in? Okay, yes, it's Isaiah 38. Who would like a script, uh, prophecy like that? No. Get your house in order. Your life is finished. Sure. Hey, who would like that one? <laughs> then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, I ask you from my heart to remember now how I've walked with you in truth and with a whole heart. I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah cried with a bitter cry. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, the Lord, the God of your father, has seen your tears. And I've heard your prayer. See, I will add 15 years to your life. Come on. Yep. So prophecy is not set in stone. God had just given the word he's going to die. And he started crying out and said, God, I don't want that. And he argued with God about the prophecy. And sometimes we need prophecy that we can, that is not necessarily all tickling and making us feel good so that we can intercede against it. So that we can change and say, God, I see this is what you're saying, but I'm asking you, please change it. How did Jesus pray? Not your, not my will, Father, but your will. But he was interceding about what he knew was coming for him. And prophecy needs to sometimes be that very thing that makes us take God seriously and make us interact with God. If you get a prophecy, your child's going to be in a car accident tomorrow. What do you do? Be upset with God? Or do you get on your knees and say, God, please forgive my child for messing up. Father, I'm interceding for my child. I'm expecting something to change. And you push in until God gives you another word. Yes. You see, life is not just roses and wonderful and beautiful. There is an enemy out there that wants to destroy us. And the only way we will overcome him is by the spiritual gifts in operation. Yes. Where we can operate Imagine something is coming your way and somebody from your home cell gives you a call and say, hey, I don't know what's happening, but I feel God says, I must tell you, you must pray about tomorrow. Tomorrow is an issue. There's a problem about tomorrow. Okay, that's going to get you to move. That's going to get you to take it seriously. No, no, I don't want to hear that. I, want, I just want to hear the, the nice promises. No, there's a place where God speaks, and we can change what he has said because of this. Yeah. Amen? Are you <laughs> my missing? Yes. yes. When you were so ill before, I got ill, before you got ill, he said, there's a fight coming. Get ready for a fight. Do you want to share some details quickly? I think it's important, yeah. Three years ago, Prophet JJ from Saldana gave me, him and his wife uh, phoned me the one afternoon and said to me, they really feel they've got to tell me that there's going to be a fight for my life. The enemy's going to try and steal my life and we've got to pray. And I remember being quite disturbed by this. I thought, shit, but I feel great. Three months later, I was in ICU fighting for my life. And it was that word that I'd received. 
that enabled me to fight and defeat the spirit of death. So guys, we need to be obedient to God. Amen. Mm. Amen. Verse 7 of Isaiah 38 says, This is the special thing for you to see from the Lord, that the Lord will do what he has said. So this man was told he's going to die. Then as the prophet was leaving, he was praying. So the prophet turned around and came back to him and said, Hey, God has heard your cry and he's going to extend your life by 15 years. Amen. 15 years of just grace. 15 years of more opportunity to do good. 15 years of being able to hand over the baton because that's what God told him. Get your affairs in order. So that you can hand over the rulership of Israel. And now he's got 15 more years to do it. And that is what I want to see. God is going to do. Prophecy will change situations. I want to talk about prophetic action. During prayer, often we do prophetic actions. We'll send out the guys to the perimeter of the church. We'll send out people to walk up and down. And declare God's goodwill and God's process in here. Let's look in the Old Testament about a prophetic action. 2 Kings 13. Then Joash sought the Lord's favor and the Lord listened to him. For he saw how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. And the Lord provided a deliverer for Israel. And they escaped from the power of Aram. So the Israelites lived in their own homes as they had before. And I felt that that was a prophetic word over us, that there is a time and a place of oppression, but God always sends a deliverer. And that deliverer might be the Holy Spirit himself, might be Jesus, and it might be someone. But God sends somebody to get you out of a difficult situation. God sent something to shift you, and they lived in their own homes as they had done before, and they escaped from the power of Aram. Whatever is oppressing you, whatever is making you so depressed that you say, I can't take one more step, God says, I am delivering you from that. I'm setting you free from that very one. Amen. So Elisha, this is the prophet, has been suffering from the illness from which he died. So he was suffering from that which would eventually kill him. And the king of Israel went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. He's saying, how does Israel stay in the position of power when the spirit of God is gone, when the man who speaks the things of God is gone? So he's crying out. And Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. Mm. He said, get a bow and some arrows and get ready to shoot something. A prophetic action. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So here's the king stretching the bow. And this old, sickly old man, prophetic action, puts his hand on the hand of the king. I felt like that when I came up here and I laid my hands here on him. This man that is lying in his deathbed, is operating in the power of God. It has nothing to do with how healthy you are or how wealthy you are or how good you are. It has to do with the anointing of God at that moment. So the sickly old man lays his hand on the king's hands and together they shoot the bow. 
And Elisha says, open the east window, he said, and he opened it and shoot, Elisha said to him, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. You see, in that very process of shooting the arrow, God was just saying to him, there's a prophetic something happening. You will see the victory. Amen. Then he says, take the arrows. And the king took them. And he said, strike the ground. And he stuck it, struck it three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed him. But now you will defeat him only three times. Our actions have consequences. How seriously we take God on what he says to us is so critical. When he says jump, we jump not just once, we keep on. If he says shout, we shout with all we have. We don't do a feeble little shout. Because I never want God to say to me, oh, you half responded to what I asked. You half, he did what the, the guy said, struck the ground. He did strike the ground. But he didn't strike it with conviction and with power. He just tick, 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 three little, you know. So there's a process that I want to say frontline, frontliners, those who are wanting to run in the front of what God's doing in this area. When God says jump, let us get in and jump. When God says worship, let us fall on our face and worship. When God says dance, let us dance with all we have, not just a little tap of the foot. If you can tap your foot, you can just as well jump. Okay? But there's a prophetic action. Everything you do has a result, and everything you do is a prophetic process. And we need to declare what God is saying loudly and clearly. Then Elisha died and was buried. So when God instructs, we need to never, ever take it um, just feebly, okay? Business people, parents, every single one of us need to operate in prophecy. We need God to work through our lives. If you are a pastor or somebody who shepherds anybody, with other words, a dad, if you're caring for anybody, you need the prophetic to be in your life because things will happen behind your back that you don't know about and you will be in a mess because you're not pushing in for the prophetic gift. Um, the stock exchanges worldwide has crashed over the last few weeks, especially the crypto things. Anything that you do in business, when you can add the prophetic to it, when God can say to you, that problem is coming and you can be prepared for it, or invest there, or do this, go start something there. Yeah. Each one of those things we need the prophetic for. We can never operate outside of the prophetic. We will be in trouble. Just look with me to 2 Kings 6. And the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, let's go to the place where we dwell. It's too small for us. Please let's go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we might dwell. And they said, let's go. And he went with them. And in verse 4, so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they were cutting down trees. 
But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And I thought, in business, many of us often cry out in desperation, Help, God, things didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. Things didn't go as it was supposed to. I've borrowed this axe, and now it's gone in the river, and I can't repay it. I'm in trouble. And the prophet comes cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. You see, the prophetic will make the impossible possible. Amen. When the prophets are operating in their anointing, metal will float. Yes. In your business, in your parenting, in your family, in your love life, when the prophetic is operating... The impossible is, becomes possible. That which you thought was done and dusted suddenly becomes normal. Just reach out and grab it. It's already floating. It is already floating. Now verse 8, listen to this. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place. For the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told them. And he warned him. And he was watchful there. Not just once or twice. Your enemy. That one who is conspiring against you. God will give you the strategy through a prophetic voice that you're listening to. So that you don't step into the snare of the enemy. God is operating and releasing the prophetic over frontline through our small groups and in church here that will be able to warn us where danger is. Mm. It looks like all the young girls are sitting this side. Don't go out with that one because that's trouble. Don't date this one because there's trouble. Dads, we need the prophetic. <laughs> they might not always like it. They might not always agree. <laughs> yes, I mean. <laughs> when the prophetic operates, Protects you from harm that you might have no idea is lying up ahead of you. And I want to activate prophetic again in frontline like never before. To a level like we've never seen before. Going back to um, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 22. Teenagers, you don't only need the prophetic for the boyfriend and girlfriend. Imagine prophetically can tell you what to study for your tests. <laughs> what is going to be asked? What do I need to put some emphasis on? Don't study without asking God for help. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 22. Therefore tongues are a sign not to those who believe but to the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers but for those who believe. 
Therefore, if the whole church come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind, you're um, crazy? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all and he's convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. I'm looking for that type of prophecy. The modern man in today's kind has perfected the process of looking like you are in right standing with God. But God knows the secrets of your heart that nobody else knows about. And you'd rather deal with it before God brings it out in prophecy. Okay? I'm, some etiquette is I will never come and bring out somebody that's in wrong publicly. It's not the right thing to do because it won't heal you. It'll just make you rebellious. But I believe that God is giving us as leadership of this church a prophetic anointing to be able to help you set, be set free from the things that you are struggling with that nobody knows about. For the things that you think that you can hide from God. God is giving the leadership an anointing to deal with the hidden sin. He will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And I'm believing God for that process. To tell you one of the prophecies that so affected us is March 2011. We were hurt by church. We were disappointed in church. We were fed up with church. And church politics has damaged our family. And we said, never again will we go to church. And then we have a friend, an irritating friend, that drags us to places where people prophesy. You know, how much trouble could I have been saved if you didn't do that? So we go to a, a little church called Journey Church um, in sort of not quite Pretoria, but uh, sorry, it wasn't that one. It was before that. And uh, we go there and a lady that we know, Janet Brand, prophesies over me and mom. Now, when I dated, I was like this guy who wrote poems, you know, <laughs> and um, God gave me a prophetic poem about my wife and I gave it to her. Never shared it with anybody. We stand in front of this woman. We've met her about twice in our life before, but never spoken anything deep in it. And we're meeting her while she's ministering to a big crowd. And she reads that poem word for word to mom and I. And the poem was about heartbreak and disappointments and so on. And while I was sitting there, I said, God, if you want to speak to me today, you better make sure that I know it's you speaking. Because I will not again act on some good idea or some idea. But I had to fall on my face right there and say, God, you know the deepest, deepest secrets of my heart that nobody else knows. The thing that nobody else understands. And then she gets up and says, you've got a church inside of you. She prophesied a new house, a new car, 
and a church. By September that year, we were in the new house. We had the new car. By November, Frontline started. Jesus. Prophetic will change the whole direction of your life and many others. So if we didn't go that night, if that prophetic word wasn't spoken, if we didn't fall on our face and repented from being hurt and upset and in rebellion to the church, how many people would not have been touched? Prophetic has an effect on every single one in your life. It has affected our children. It's affected my parents. It has affected everything in our life and many others' lives. And it will still touch lives through many continents and many places because of one two-minute prophetic word. Absolutely. So what I want to say to you is that Frontline City Church will pursue the prophetic and bring words and judge the prophetic and grow in the prophetic. Amen. I wanted some time to prophesy, but I realize it's Father's Day and people have got things on. So we are going to build on it next week uh, in both services. Let us pray and prepare God to operate in the prophetic. We're going to have a prophetic worship night next week, Amen. Sunday night. And we are going to push in for God to bring life-changing words to his people. I can tell you a lot more about the prophetic, but I, th I think I need to stop here and just allow us to pray that there would be a prophetic flow in Frontline like never before. We cannot allow the gifts of the Spirit to be diluted. We have to push in for it and make a stand in saying, Frontline City Church will pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit to change lives more than ever before. It won't just be in conferences. It won't just be happening now and again. It will be an integral part of our service week after week. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.